So one of the, uh, the curses that many seminarians are burdened with during their time in formation is that they have ability and skill way before they have the office to use it. What I mean is after your first four years of seminary, you've taken enough philosophy and theology to be pretty good and, and can formulate a, a well-crafted homily on the readings, but you still have another two years before you can actually preach. So many seminarians are burdened with the, the knowledge of what a good homily should contain and also judge pretty harshly those homilies that do not contain those qualities. Uh, you know, especially for other seminarians, when our fourth year men, the, the deacons, so actually they're in their sixth year, sixth or seventh year, um, but they're in their fourth theology year, as deacons you have to preach in the seminary. And boy, do we listen to everything they say. Uh, the slightest misstep, a mispronounced word, a theological point that might be contentious, or you know, whether we just don't like them. Uh, we tend to be pretty merciless towards them for the next week until the next deacon gets up to, to preach. So it's hard also when you go home on break uh, and you hear a homily from a priest that maybe doesn't spend uh, the recommended amount of time that the seminary tells you you should spend on their homily and you just sit in the pews or you serve on the altar, and that's even worse, but you nitpick everything that they say and every liturgical action that they make because you know that you could absolutely do it way better than they could. And since my time in seminary was not that long ago, I still find myself doing these things, uh, but now it's I nitpick my own homilies and I criticize every liturgical action that I feel I do improperly or uh, not as good as I could. But tonight, I'm going to go back to the seminarian way of nitpicking other people's homilies because we, we don't want to take away from Peter's homily that he gives in the first reading, but he doesn't sound like he's a Father Mike Schmitz or a Bishop Robert Barron. Um, now, we only get a little bit of his homily today, but it doesn't sound super compelling. Like, there's nothing in it that if I heard him say that, or if I heard it in another homily, that I'd be like, yes. I want to get baptized, but yet 3,000 people are baptized from merely him saying, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, I have to imagine, though, that this is because those 3,000 people were already looking for something. In their hearts, they were already wanting something to be different, different from what the world was offering them. And what Peter talks about in the first reading is exactly what they wanted. They wanted hope that things could be better, that things could be different, maybe not in this life even, but that there was a reward for it all afterward. And then maybe they were okay with a little bit of suffering now. This weekend has long been known as Good Shepherd Sunday because we read the gospel in which Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd. He does this to show that he is not an impersonal God, but one who wants to be connected with us and cares deeply about us. As St. Catherine of Siena says, God is madly in love with you. Now, historically, we have always used the imagery of the shepherd for the ministerial priesthood as well. We call our priests shepherds, and we call the people of the universal Catholic Church the sheep of the Lord's flock. Now, lest that sound demeaning, because you think a sheep is a dumb animal, 
never forget that Jesus himself is the Lamb of God. He is the Good Shepherd, but also at the same time the Lamb of God. He is both eternal priest and eternal victim. And the men who follow him into the priesthood model their lives after him to become a priest, but also to offer their life in service to the church, a sacrifice much smaller in scale than the sacrifice of Christ, but nonetheless a complete self-gift of their lives to the church. Now, eventually, things will go back to normal. We will be able to meet again in here and not via live stream. We will return to work. We will return to school. And when that normalcy returns, men will still feel the call of the Lord in their lives to live with hope that things can be different from what the world tells them it can be. They will live with hope that they may, in fact, be called to something great. Not because they themselves are worthy of it, but, before, but because before God formed them in the womb, he knew them and invited them to be part of his plan of salvation for the world by allowing them to offer his sacrifice in the way he offered it and to be able to say Mass, to be able to forgive the sins of the people in the name of Jesus the way he did for those who had lost their lives or been blinded by sin. And while the call is placed on their lives, answering the call and then staying in that life is not necessarily easy. The word vocation comes from a Latin word, vocare, which means to call. And so while everyone shares the universal vocation, the universal call to holiness, some men are in a specific way, called to follow Jesus as his priests in service of the church. And so this week, while you're in quarantine, trying to find something to be a little less bored when Netflix has run out and you're tired of talking to the people that you live with, may I make a suggestion that you pray for vocations. Not just vocations to the priesthood, either. But I think it's really important to talk about all vocations. We here at St. Mary's are so blessed to have the Dominican sisters showing young women what a life in service of the church looks like for a woman. And man, do they do a good job of it. Not at all by doing the same thing that I do as a priest, but by doing things that I am not even capable of, by showing the beauty and joy of true femininity and a lasting joy that is, the, that is only because of their spouse, Jesus Christ. And finally, I want to talk about the fruitful garden from which vocations to the priesthood and religious life are grown, that of the vocation of good and holy Catholic marriages. Pope St. John Paul II said that all religious vocations were started in the family, which is the domestic church. But we know that marriage is so often attacked or entered into haphazardly or not taken seriously. So we need to pray for all of those whom we know are married, that they may have a good and a holy and a wonderful Catholic marriage even if their marriage right now is pretty terrible. So this week, you can pray for seminarians, you can pray for those discerning entrance into seminary formation, or you could pray for many of the young women around the diocese who are discerning entering the convent. Or even you could pray for those people preparing for the sacrament of marriage and the vocation of marriage. Or if you find yourself with a lot of time on your hands, you can pray for all three of them. 
There is not a carbon copy or a cookie cutter mold for what a priest or a religious sister or even what a marriage looks like. There are often similarities in the characteristics of us who answer the call. But the church needs new saints. New saints who are following the gospel radically wherever the Lord wants them to go and in whatever way he wants to lead them as the good shepherd. This means a great variety in the personalities of the men and women who are willing to follow the Lord in whatever life he wants them to be in. But the world tells them this is crazy, that they won't be happy as a priest or a sister, or that even marriage could not bring them happiness. But ask any priest who is living rightly, or ask any sister who has made final vows, or ask any couple who has been wonderfully married in the Catholic Church for many years, if they have found fulfillment and they will joyfully and happily respond with a resounding yes. And it all starts with the hope that things can be better than what the world has to offer. It all starts with a stirring in the heart, a nagging question, a drawing desire that wonders if the Lord might be calling. So please pray for young men and women who are discerning the priesthood and religious life. Pray for all of those who are discerning good and holy Catholic marriages. Pray for those who are priests and are sisters and are married. One of my favorite quotes from Jacques Fesch, whose process is being opened for canonization, comes from as he was recounting his life in prison. He says, How could I hear a voice which only murmured from the hidden spring when I was deafened with the roar of an ill-regulated life? People are still willing to commit their lives radically as long as they feel the Lord is leading them. You never know how powerful your prayers can be in maybe helping someone say yes to the Lord. Let us together profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead 
and the life of the world to come. Amen. With longing for the coming of God's kingdom, we bring to him our prayers and petitions. For Pope Francis and all our clergy, may God bless them. 